Thank you for tuning in today. My name is Frankie Mazapika. The title of the message is Seasons When Everything Changes. Seasons When Everything Changes. Sometimes you're in a season that you want to change so bad that you can't even express it in words. We all know that as long as we're on this earth, we're going to face problems. But sometimes you just want new problems. You know what I mean? It's like, I've been in this season long enough. Just give me something else. I'll take any problem except for this problem. Just get me out of this season. Here's one of the scriptures I want to share with you this morning. It's in Daniel chapter 2, verse 11. Um, no, no, no. It's in uh, Daniel 2.21. Daniel 2.21. It says this, that God changes the times and the seasons, that he raises up kings and brings kings down. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those with understanding. Now, there's so many nuggets inside of that verse, but let's just pull the nuggets out of the first few words. He changes the times and the seasons. We're not talking about weather here. We're not talking about it's snowing and then we're in winter. Next thing you know, and a few months later, you're in spring. We're not talking about the weather. We're talking about seasons of life. And God is so mighty that he's able to look at you and say, you have been in that season long enough. It is time to change that season. God has the ability, like a great orchestrator, to orchestrate your life. He can look at a person and say, okay, you have served your purpose in their life. It is time for you to go. Bl don't, don't point, just blink two times if I'm talking to you. It's time for that person to go. And God can literally, like an orchestrator, begin to say, you're gone, you guys come on in. New relationships, new opportunities, new jobs. God has the ability to do that. One phone call can change your life. One email can change your life. God has the ability to bring new people into your life. He has the ability to look at you and say, this sickness will be gone right now. There's nothing in your life that you're facing that is so big that God cannot remove it. I want to emphasize that again. There is no situation in your life that is so tough, so hard, so big that the Lord cannot change it. You may be thinking of a person right now that is just the biggest rascal you know. And they drive you absolutely crazy. The Bible says in Ezekiel 36, 26, that I will remove that heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. Whoever you feel is in your life that is provoking you, antagonizing you, and you don't know what to do, 
you are serving a God that can cause that person to have an about face and literally become a new person because the Lord just laid his hand upon them. I want you to be encouraged by that. You may say, I don't know if God can do that for them. Well, he did it for you. He did it for me. He's done it for millions of people before. You didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. All the millions of people that lived before us, they didn't deserve it. And they can do it for the person that you think is too far gone, too far away. In one moment, the Lord can change your season. Do you know that one prayer can change your season? The enemy will do everything he can to keep you from praying. He'll keep you from praying within a variety of ways. He'll say, if you don't pray an hour, don't pray at all. If you don't sound like Abraham, don't pray at all. Don't pray at all because we know what you did last summer. Don't, don't pray at all because you've been acting, like I'm going to use that word again, it's just the safest adjective I've got right now. You've been acting like a rascal last week, yesterday, even before you got to church today, you were going crazy like a wild person. You have no, just don't even pray. The enemy knows that a short prayer can change the tide in your life. A short prayer. A one-word prayer. You're saying, Frankie, are you just trying to hype us up? No, I'm just reminding us what the Scripture says. In Psalms 56, 9, it says, The very day you call for help, the tide of the battle shifts. When you're in a season that you want out of, you don't like it, you're tired, you're exhausted, the minute you open your mouth, the season begins to change. Immediately, that begins to happen. You can't see it with your own eyes. The only way that you can sense that something is changing is if you close your eyes. It's a phenomenon. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, Do not worry about anything. Pray about everything and thank him for what he's already done. And then in verse 7 it says, And then, after you do that, you will experience the peace of God that exceeds anything that you are able to understand. The peace of God exceeds, you think, I understand, you know, how the sun goes up and how it goes down. I understand how the seasons change, the snow, and then, no, 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 anything that you can understand, it exceeds that. It blows your mind. It's overwhelming. That's the peace you experience when you close your eyes, you raise your hands, you lift your chin to your father, you block everything else out, and you say a short prayer. I need you. Sometimes your prayer is one word, Jesus. You know, I'll tell you, I've been taking Spanish lessons for the last year and a half. I would speak Spanish in front of you to show you how much I learned, but I don't want to discourage myself. <laughs> but my teacher said, whenever you're speaking Spanish, the person that's listening to you, if they're fluent, they will clearly see that you're learning. And I'm going to just tell you, the conjugation of verbs is... <laughs> but anyway, it's another topic. But when you're trying to speak Spanish to a person who speaks Spanish, don't forget to use the magic words. Because if you use the magic words, 
the person you're speaking Spanish to will immediately give you a lot of grace. That immediately, as soon as you use these magic words, the person is all of a sudden going to smile and see that you're trying your best and they're going to be okay with it. And naturally, I said, well, please tell me these magic words. I must know these magic words. And so she says, there's two that you just need to keep in mind. Just say, por favor, or lo siento, (laughs) please. I'm sorry. Please, I'm sorry. Finish your sentence and say, lo siento. As soon as you say these magic words, the person who's fluent in Spanish will go, you're a gringo, you don't know what you're doing, but I see that you're trying. They will have compassion on you. So learn those words. Can I just tell you, those words are just one word, please, sorry. But it changes the entire dynamic of the conversation. All of a sudden, there's mountains of mercy, mountains of grace, one word. One word can change the dynamic of a conversation between me and another human being. One word changes the entire context of the relationship that you are in at that moment. The tide of the battle turns. The moment you say one word, Jesus. The moment you say, I need you. At that moment, there is an angel above your head that's there to defend you and to fight your battles for you. You say, I I, I don't feel like that's happening. I don't feel like it's happening. I feel like I'm in the same situation. Season I was before I said those magic words. Look, close your eyes, lift your chin, raise your hands, and allow the physical world to be blocked out and allow your spirit to connect with the Holy Spirit. Then you will experience the peace of God. Is this helping anybody in the room? I've got three major points. That that was my runway, okay? But I promise you the sermon's not going to be long. I've got three major points for you, and it revolves around the Jordan River, because I started thinking to myself earlier this week that I can't count the number of times in the Bible where I've read about the Jordan River. So I did a Google search, and I started realizing that seasons that people are living change when they go to the Jordan River. Now, it's not like you and I can get in a plane and fly to the Jordan River and all of a sudden all of our problems seem to go away and we go into a new season of our life, which naturally we would have problems in the new season as well. But it's not the significance of the water or the significance of the location. The significance is built around the obedience that takes place at that river. And so constantly the Lord is sending his children to the, uh, the Jordan River that they would have a moment of obedience. And as I began to study, I started seeing that there were three different people that went to the Jordan River and had a shift in their season. And as I put together those three different lives, and I put them into three different seasons, I see that they are actually in a sequential order for us to live in our relationship with God. The first season I'm going to talk about that you experience is when you are wrestling with God. The second season is when you learn where to run when trouble comes 
and the very last season is at the Jordan River, people die. And so let me just dive right into the first one. It was Jacob in Genesis chapter um, 32. I had to remember Magic Johnson. That was my name association. That was his number when he played basketball. But in Genesis chapter 32, I'm telling you, I got to do name association with everything. In Genesis chapter 32, um, Jacob was wrestling with God. He saw the angel of the Lord appear right in front of him, and he literally went into this subconscious mode of believing that he was a UFC fighter and dove after him and grabbed onto him. And as he's grabbing onto him, he's talking to him. Now, I've been beat up a few times. I can't really... I can't really think of any fights that I got into that I was uh, victorious. I, I, it stinks, but I wish I had different stories where I was like Rocky Balboa, you know, and, but that wasn't the case. But there, there's, it, it's, a, it's a stinky feeling when they're talking to you while they got you tied up. You know, I, I dove at somebody's legs one time, and he, he grabbed me like this, and I, I remember distinctly moving my fingers to see if it was my hand or his. And he had me down there, and he started talking to me. He's like, you like that? You like that? Huh? You like that? And so I, I told him a few things about his mom, but that's <laughs> way too much information. But he was talking to me, and this is exactly what Jacob was doing. He grabbed the angel of the Lord, and he says, I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me. I'm not going to let you know, go until you change my season. I can't continue to live in fear. I can't continue to live with this animosity towards my own family. I can't continue to live like this. I need you to change my season. And he hung on to him all night long as he laid next to the Jordan River. You know, when you need a season to change, you begin to wrestle with God. And the first time you will ever wrestle with God is when you are wrestling on whether or not He even exists. To be able to go from having faith in Him to, I'm sorry, from not having faith that He exists to having faith that He does exist. That's the first time you will ever wrestle with God. Because every person has to come to a place where they know that God exists not because their mommy told them, their father told them, their aunt told them, granny told them, but they had to wrestle with it themselves. They have to. I'm a preacher's kid. I was raised in a preacher's home. And there was the season where I had to say, is this all an accident? Did the wind just dust up some, some rocks and, and here I am? I had to wrestle through that. And when you wrestle with God, you don't wrestle with him in your head. Because you'll wrestle for the rest of your life. You don't wrestle with him with your emotions like this stinks, this is stupid, I can't believe this. If you're real, show me. You, it, that's it. You have to open your mouth. You have to speak. If you and I meet each other in the lobby today and we just look at each other, not only is it going to be incredibly awkward, it's going to be very unproductive. 
And in the same way, you cannot discover the love and the existence of God by backing up and looking to the heavens going, show me fire. You've got to whisper to him and say, out loud, if you're real, help me. If you're real, help me. I'm I'm unbelieving. I don't want to be an unbeliever if you're really there. If you're really there, help me. And Jacob wrestled all night long. So can I just say, the consequences are so heavy that it is worth wrestling more than one round or one sentence. At least Go for it. Give it a season. Give it some months. God, I'm going to pray for the next three months, the next four months, and I'm going to pray every day. And I'm going to pray with my whole heart as if you are there, even though I'm not sure if you are. And pray. And if at the end of those three months, after you have prayed with your whole heart, with, with passion out loud, if he hasn't confirmed within your heart that he exists then throw your hands up and walk away. But I can promise you that if you really throw your heart into it, He will reveal Himself to you. You may be saying, if you're a believer in this room, you say, Frankie, you're really sticking your neck out there because, I don't know, that's kind of risky to tell everybody that. It's really not risky for me because I'm just taking a verse right out of the Bible. It says this, in um, which one? Um, Jeremiah 29, verse 13. It says this You will seek me and you will find me if you search for me with all your heart. You will seek me and you will find me. I don't think that's in Jeremiah 29, 13. Somebody check that for me. Will you check that for me? Let me just go with another verse. In Jeremiah 33, 3, it says, Call to me, I will hear you, and I will tell you things that you do not know. That verse is just as good. Jeremiah 33, 3, Call to me, I will hear you, and I will tell you things that you do not know. I I want to encourage you. Lift your voice. Lift your voice to him. Did you find what the reference was? It was right, 29.13? Say when. I'm your Huckleberry. Say. Now I don't know what I'm talking about. Best thing for me to do. What was that? What was point number two? Point number two was uh, first one was wrestling. The second one was oh, where to run? Yeah. I'll just say this for the sake of time. I'll just wrap up the whole. Uh, no, I'll spend a little bit more time on it. Somebody might need to hear it. In 1 Kings verses uh, chapter 16 and 17, we read about a guy named Elijah. And Elijah was afraid of this king, that the king was going to kill him. And the Lord tells Elijah, go across the Jordan River and there I will keep you safe. Everything in life. Everything is determined upon who you rely on. If you rely on yourself, you'll be in a season far too long. If you are nervous, you're afraid, 
you get on your knees. I remember as a teenager putting my face in my pillow and squeezing my pillow saying, Dear Lord, I need you. I'm confused. I'm worried. I'm afraid. I need you. At a certain point, there's a phase in your relationship with God where you're no longer wrestling on whether or not He exists. Now you're learning on where to run whenever you're feeling the squeeze in life. I'm going to tell you, everything relies on who you rely on. And if you rely on yourself, you will be disappointed. You will be disappointed. You'll be angry at everybody and they didn't and, and nobody did anything. But if you rely on the Lord and say, I need you to supernaturally help me. And if you don't help me, I'm going to slide. I'm going to fall. I don't know where things are going to go. I'm glad I did spend some time on that second point. The third point is a place where people die. Now, this is at the Jordan River where Elisha is following Elijah. It's in 2 Kings chapter 2. Elisha was following his mentor. And he wanted an anointing on his life. He wanted a mantle to fall onto his life. But he had to follow the rudest mentor on the face of the earth. This mentor was so rude over and over and over again. He looked at this young man that was hungry for more of God and said, stop following me. Stop following me. Leave me alone. Stop following me. Leave me alone. And Elisha had to eat that over and over again. I don't know about you. You just look at me funny and I'm not following you anymore. You just look at me crazy. I stand up. I walk out. I got a brother of mine. He walks around with $20 every time he goes to a dinner where he doesn't know everybody at the table. Because if one thing goes wrong, he stands up, he drops $20 and he walks out. Now, <laughs> I'm not recommending that. I'm just telling you that I don't think any of us can, can handle certain levels of rejection. I don't think so. Elisha had killed all of his pride. He had killed all, he burnt all of his equipment in which he ran his business on. He allowed every part of his life to go to the wayside because he was so hungry for the things of God. I remember when I was in Rockford, Illinois, and I was in an internship, and I was sitting in the sanctuary reading my Bible. I remember I was like 20 years old, and I'm wrestling with God, and all of a sudden I came by a scripture in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, where Paul says this, however, my life means nothing to me. If only to finish the race and to complete the task of testifying of my Lord Jesus Christ. At some point, Paul came before the Lord. He raised his hands and he said, my life means nothing to me. I am at your service. My whole life, my whole life, nothing means anything to me at all except to serve you. I'm not pursuing this. I'm not pursuing that. This means nothing to me. That means nothing to me. If only 
to serve you. And can I say that the enemy will cause us to be consumed with things in our life that are temporary so that we can be distracted from the eternal. Do you know that within three generations, no one's ever going to remember you again? Aren't you glad you came to church to be encouraged? You can remember your mother's name. Some of you know your grandparents' name, but your great-grammy, that's a coin toss. Great, great. Three generations. Half of the room knows, oh, I know her, probably because they're still alive, about 103, and they chase you around. But I don't know my grandmother's name. And let's say some of you are really good because you have a tight-knit family, and you go, I know. Well, go up one more generation just to make my point. We're all forgotten. Very, very, very quickly, we're all forgotten. But this is what I've learned is I've studied people in history who have made the biggest difference for the kingdom of God here on this earth and whose name still echoes among us. The people who pay more attention in this world on the world to come make the biggest difference in this world. I think the enemy laughs his head off when he watches people work, work, work because they believe that they're just a little bit more success and they'll be completely secure. A little bit more success. He laughs his head off. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24, that the wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it a wall too high to climb. They imagine that if they get just a little bit more money, they'll be a fortified city and nothing bad can happen to them. And so they spend their entire life building that fortified city. Can I just tell you, cancer can slip through a brick wall. I can tell you that depression can slip through a brick wall. It doesn't matter how much money you have. If you're wanting to jump off a building and kill yourself, that money means nothing at all. All of us can mention somebody who's rich, somebody who had money to burn, and they killed themselves. I'm just telling you that what you're looking for, you are not going to find in this world. What you're looking for is in another world, and the enemy looks for you. Come on, encourage me. The enemy's primary job is to convince you that he doesn't exist. But his second job is to make you so busy that you're no longer even living for the Lord anymore. You have a relationship. If you believe in Jesus, you have a relationship with him. You do have an address in heaven. There is a mansion waiting for you with manicured grass and roses out front. However, right here on earth, you will struggle and you will not feel the power of God moving through you because he is not on your mind. He's not the priority of your life. And can I tell you this? Most Christians never die. They never die here on this earth. They go to the grave squeezing and hanging on to all the other passions other than their passion for the Lord. And in the process, they lose everything by the time they get to that grave. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. By the time you get to the end of your life, 
you should have changed people in a way that you have made an impression, a supernatural impression on their life, and they are never again the same. Now, you may not... You may not be able to make that impression on every single person, but it will be the story of your life. It will be the story of your life that people changed because of you. And can I say that it's not a matter of you having more education or being more eloquent with your words. The shortest sentence, the simplest phrase, drenched by the Holy Spirit can change a life just like this. The most miraculous conversion I have ever seen in my life, I said one sentence and they started crying. And I think about that sentence and it was so simple. I was talking to a Catholic person and they said, I don't believe in, in Christianity, I'm Catholic. And I said, you can call yourself Catholic, you can call yourself whatever you want. But just remember, Mary did not die for you, and Mary did not raise again. Only Jesus did that. She started crying the biggest crocodile tears I've ever seen in my life and became sold out to God. And that comment was really just a toss-away comment. It was just, it, I was just throwing it out there. I, in fact, I was eating, I was drinking espresso. Now there's anointing in espresso, so we got to... <laughs> I was eating espresso in a lemon cake, half paying attention to the conversation. But when the Holy Spirit is in simple words, he makes massive impacts. Do you receive that today? Come on, put your hands together. Massive impacts. I want to share a testimony video with you of someone being healed recently. And I just want to say, uh, I was in such a unique position uh, earlier this week. I have a friend of mine who has like 50,000 subscribers on YouTube. And I'm not really savvy when it comes to social media. Um, I thank God for the team around us to, to, to do that. But I have no idea uh, how to do that kind of stuff. And so I'm like, 50,000? I don't even know what that means. But he goes, I want to interview. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. So we started interviewing, he's got all these people watching, and he goes, hey, if you're sick, if you need a healing, you're going to get healed right now. Go ahead, Frankie. And I went, I was on a laptop, I was going to go, poop, <laughs> and run out. And this was just a few days ago, and I was like, oh my goodness, are you kidding me? And, uh, you know, my faith is so high in this situation, because people get healed every single Sunday, so my, my, my faith is high. Not everyone we pray for gets healed, but every single Sunday people get healed. So he goes, all right, go ahead. And I'm like, I don't know what to do here. Like, our worship team's not there. And, I, <laughs> and so I honestly, I said, hey, look, um, I can't heal anybody, but... Um, I will pray, and let's just see what God does. And so I pictured the Lord's face, just like I always do. And let me say, I need to say this as often as I, as I possibly can. Before you say one word to the Lord, when you're praying, before you say one word, before you say Jesus, I want you to take a moment and realize who you are talking to. Don't 
say one word until you realize who he is. And let your imagination acknowledge who he is. And so I took a minute and I visualized his, his face and this is what I prayed. In the name of Jesus, all sickness go away. All broken bones come back together. I can't even remember what I said, but it was very, very, very short. I said, in Jesus' name, amen. Then I put my fingers underneath my desk and I crossed. (laughs) I didn't do that. I'm being. All of a sudden in the comments, boom, 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 boom. I'm crying. I don't know what's happening to me. I feel heat all over my body. I don't know what's going on. And going, 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 going. And then I saw this one comment come up and goes, this is a bunch of bull. I don't believe any of this. And then the, the host, the guy that I was with, he had some type of software where he could click on uh, a comment. And if they allowed it, then they can um, be, it's like another face pops up. Their face pops up and they can talk. It was like a Zoom. And they're crying out of control, bawling because they got healed. And all of a sudden that critic popped up and was like, oh my goodness, I've never seen anything like this in my life. A simple prayer with the name of Jesus, focusing on his face. Let me show you another testimony. Take a look at this. So about two years ago, uh, maybe two and a half, I just woke up feeling a little sluggish. Um, Slowly and surely, my health started to go downhill rapidly. I got to a point where I could barely get up to go to work, and by the time I got home from work, I would take a nap. So I knew something wasn't right. I went to the doctors, and they diagnosed me with a thyroid problem, got on some medication. They said it would get better, and it never did. My whole lifestyle changed. I used to be super active, and now I'd rather take a nap. It got really bad recently, and I thought I could self-medicate, so I stopped taking my thyroid pills, and my brain got foggy. I stopped being able to even think clearly, so I went back to the doctor. They said, you've been on the wrong thyroid medication. Let's do some blood work. Well, I forgot to ask Jesus for a healing while I'm struggling through all of this. It was Tuesday night. I was too tired to go to prayer, and I was like, Lord, I know you can heal me from anything. I don't want to be on medication for the rest of my life. And so that Sunday morning, I pushed myself to get up and get dressed for church. And Frankie had a word of knowledge. And he said, there's three women here that have a thyroid problem. And I about pushed the person in the same seat, uh, you know, next to me. I pushed them out of the way to run to the altar so fast. Frankie came down and he was praying for me. And he said, you know, if you can feel anything, let me know squeeze my arm and I could start to feel fire in my back which is interesting because I have a thyroid problem I expected to feel it in my neck and I knew at that moment that Jesus was going to heal me but I have blood work in six weeks and I'm excited to see it because I'm already getting more energy and I know for sure that God has healed me let's all stand to our feet if we would and I want to say that there was something super important about that testimony and I want us all to catch it is she said I came barreling out of my seat I was pushing people out of the way to come down to the front and just so you know when someone comes out of their seat and I pray for them at the front they don't get embarrassed they just come out they stand right here at the front and then when the service is over I turn off my microphone I walk down there and I pray for them that's it but sometimes 
there's people that say, Frankie, I know you're talking about me, but I'm not coming out of my seat. And I I just want to say for those people, I have no idea what the end of the story looks like because I'm not there. And I can say we've never got an email or a phone call says, Frankie talked about my condition, but I didn't want to go forward. I just left and I was healed. We've never, ever gotten any communication like that before. What I can tell you is when people come down, like what she did, their faith is so high that many times they're getting healed before they get to the front. And then I'm standing in front of them and they're laughing. And I'm like, let me guess. And I'm going to start laughing. I'm like, the Holy Spirit does this all the time just to remind me he doesn't need me. He just likes to allow me to participate. So I'm going to share a few thoughts that I feel like the Lord wants me to pray for, a condition that the Lord wants me to pray for. And I, I love going for healing and this is a word of knowledge where I feel like the Lord people, the Lord tells me who he wants me to pray for. Because if no one in this room raises their hand and says, you're talking to me, that means the Lord was not talking to me. I thought he was talking to me, but I was talking to myself. And that level of accountability, I appreciate and I believe you guys appreciate too. I've had hundreds of people say the Lord told me and I'm looking at him I'm like (laughs) hundreds maybe the Lord did talk to him maybe didn't talk to him but I'm just like this sounds insane and there's no accountability there now I don't like it whenever I say hey this is what I feel like the Lord's telling me and nobody raises their hand because I don't like being wrong I don't like saying I thought that was God but it was me but at least you guys can trust me at that moment and I try to be as specific as I can because if I say I feel like someone here has a their back hurts It's a 100% chance people are coming down for back hurt. But I want to be as specific as I can. And um, if I'm too general for you, then I apologize. I'm just doing my best. But I feel like there's someone like right in here on on, on this side of your stomach. So be your right side. I, I wish I could describe. On one part of me, I want to say is like, like there's, it's on fire on the other part of me I want you to say, okay it, it causes you to go like this when it hurts now if that has not happened in the last 48 hours you know it happened last week or the week before that I want you to come as if it's happened in the last 48 hours where you just feel it um, if it happened Friday, Saturday or this morning Friday, Saturday or this morning where you just feel it and you just kind of go like this you kind of bend over And the next thing is, while this video was playing, I sat down. It was the strangest thing. And my wife had her her legs crossed, and I looked down at her ankle, and I saw someone here on the inside of their right ankle. You know, I don't know if you rolled it 
or if it's swollen or it got hurt or but it's the inside of your right ankle and the very last one um, ring finger and pinky in your right hand something happened like it's it maybe you don't know what happened all of a sudden or you injured it so let's find out um, am I completely off on all of those or did I hear from God? If I heard from God, the probability of you getting healed is like through the roof. But if I've missed it, then sorry. But just raise your hand in this room. It's like, okay, you're telling my, what is it? It's in your right. And it's this finger. All right, just stand right here. Anyone else? Okay. You stay right there. Stay right there. Stay right there. I'm going to have someone come to you. I don't know why I want to do that, but I'm going to have someone come to you. Someone else. Yes, ma'am. It's on your left hand. All right. The Lord's going to heal you just because you were bold enough to raise your hand, but I want to want a prayer partner pray for you. Anyone else? Maybe all of that was just for you. Is there anyone else? Yes, ma'am. On the right? Come here. Come here. I want to pray for you. I feel like there was, what was the third one? The inside of the right ankle. was. Did I miss that one? You two are supposed to be friends. Do you guys know each other? No? You don't know each other? You guys are supposed to be friends. Uh, all right. I feel like there's one more person with that pain right here, but you just, you think, well, there's, maybe he's not talking to me because two people already came down for that. I feel like there's one more person. No one with the inside of the ankle. Is it, is it? Okay, come down here. Come down here. Like our prayer partners, no one with the ankle. Did I miss that one? If I missed it, I missed it. But man, I really felt like. What is it? Maybe they're online. If it's online. I, always, I never like falling back on that because I don't want you guys to think that I'm trying to get an out. But we get more emails of people who is online going, you didn't miss it, Frankie, you didn't miss it. And if that's you, I want you to own it. Own it and begin to walk in it. Um, I just know that in this room, I have to be as accountable as I need to. So I'm accurate on the fingers and accurate on here. But I just missed it with the right ankle. I'd like our prayer partners to come down they would and um, there's not a doubt in my mind all three of these people will be healed not a doubt in my mind but here's the thing there's some of you in this room that if your heart were to stop beating in the next five minutes you're not ready to see the Lord and you're the most important person in this room so I want to encourage you to come out of your seat. The Bible says if you're ashamed of him in front of man, he'll be ashamed of you in front of the Father. 
So I want you to come down and take the hand of someone down here. And many of us have needs that are not physical. Or maybe it is physical and I just didn't name it. More people get healed and there's more miracles from our prayer partners than when I pray for people. There's no official dismissal. You can leave whenever you want to. But let's sing this song one time through before you leave. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May his face shine down upon you and be gracious to you. May his countenance be lifted up on you and bring you peace. In Jesus' name, amen.